Welcome. I'm live. <laughs> Welcome to Bash University Live, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We had a little audio glitch uh, that we wanted to get dialed in. Uh, super excited to have a friend of mine uh, forever. We've been fishing out on the tour together for, geez, 15 years. She's still at it. A veteran of the Bassmaster Elites and a Florida resident, Florida fishing uh, veteran, you know, very knowledgeable, Bernie Schultz. Uh, super experienced, super accomplished professional angler, especially in that part of the country. We've got big tournaments coming up, uh, notably one he's competing in on Lake Okeechobee, and we're going to be diving into that and some of the other bodies of water. The hurricane season uh, had dumped quite a bit of water in Florida. It's uh, it, The wind pushed a lot of things around, and I'm, I'm interested in uh, – you know, we're going to dive in with Bernie about how, what that means because he's seen it a number of times. I'm sure I've seen it too over the years. And uh, the vegetation gets uprooted, moved around, and how and and with all that extra water, how's that going to affect how the lakes fish down that down that part of the country this time of year? So we're going to be getting involved with all that stuff. And uh, well, I see him right here. With usually we do an open Bernie, but because we had that little glitch. Uh, we, we're going to just bring you right into the show. Uh, there he is, Mr. Bernie Schultz. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Man, we're, we're doing good. We, uh, we just wrestled with, uh, ice storms in Dallas when we were there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. We, you know, we, we had a bash university in Texas and, uh, it, it was rainy, which we like, you know, that's good fishing weather. But then just we, we took a couple days after our event to go fishing and the ice unloaded on us and and the boat. We couldn't even get boats down to the launch ramp to, to, to launch and go fishing. So we were stranded in an ice storm in Texas last couple of uh, or early part of this week. But we're we're glad to be home, um, you know, and I know you, you're not dealing with that down in Florida right now, are you? No, actually, I hate to rub it in. We're in the 70s, probably might even reach 80 today. Uh, bluebird skies and spring conditions. Yeah, that's rubbing it in, man. That's that's unappreciated. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But we've had our share of cold weather. It's It's been, been in the 20s more than a few days this year, and we've uh, had a lot of frost, and, and uh, it's been kind of a, a hard winter in North Florida. I'm in North Florida, and I'm not far from the Georgia line. You could almost say I'm in South Georgia. It's, it gets that cold here. Um, it's a lot more temperate further south. Right, right. Well, you you're it's well shoot you're going to be fishing there too. You've got uh you've got Lake Seminole coming up. That's that's a little closer to you, I guess. Yeah, they're back to back. There's not even a day off. We'll leave Okeechobee on a Sunday and start practice on Monday at Seminole. Seminole is about three hours from my house, and Okeechobee is about you know three and a half four hours. Okay. Well, I I love them both, and um, you know let let's uh, let's dive in like because we've seen it like I you know I remember and we we talk about this a lot because well it was the heaviest stringer ever caught, uh, which took place on Lake Toho, and that was that was after a cold front and it got up to that 80 degrees and every fish on the whole state of Florida decided to spawn at that moment. Yeah, that was a remarkable event and it happened overnight. Uh, the last practice day, if you recall, those fish weren't up in the morning. It was like late, late afternoon and the guys that stayed out super late realized what was happening and they had a jump on a lot of the rest of the field. A lot of guys ran to the hydrilla 
to fish, you know, moving baits and in open water, <laughs> you're in that crew. Okay. But fortunately I stayed out till probably longer than I should have, but I, I saw what was happening and I lucked out and, and did pretty good in that tournament. That's awesome. Did, uh, I, you know, it's funny cause I was within sight of Rojas when he did that. And I was fishing outside the hydrilla edge on the fish that were schooling on chat out there and, yeah. and catching them really well. Uh, you know, at practice it was, you know, you had to get away from it because they were so thick. They were so ganged up and, yeah. and chomping that shad. And I'm looking at Dean over there in the shallows and I'm like shaking my head at him. Nope, not there yet, buddy. And <laughs> I yeah. was a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. He was pretty close to me and, he was on one side of me about maybe a quarter mile and Aaron Martins was on my other side, maybe three or 400 yards. And there weren't many people early in the morning. We had that, that part of the lake to ourselves pretty much. I think Shaw was in the area. Uh, but everybody that stayed close to the bank in that North end of Toho just really capitalized. What did you, were you fortunate enough to get one of those 30 pound bags or, or forties even? No, I, I was just shy of it. I was consistent every day. I made the final, but I, I didn't have a super big bag. I did catch a 10-pounder one day, but nice. it was like, okay, next, get off the stage. We got 11s <laughs> and 12s to weigh in here. So, but, uh, uh, you Upper know, 20s, you got kicked to the curb. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's happened more than a few times. I, at Falcon, I caught 32 pounds each day of the first two, two um, competition days, and that wasn't even remarkable compared to what – some of those guys caught so wow yeah that's crazy i i i had my chest bump pumped out i had 15 pounds on day one at toho thinking i was going you know i had a, a wonderful day and uh yeah we we got i got lit up but but you know that but the key there the lesson there is that cold front uh sitting on florida and then the 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 pending or the 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 heat wave that came after it is is really what drove those fish to the bank. Do you, do you is do you see that happening down there at uh, at Okeechobee this year or even it, at Seminole? Yeah, well, it, it actually happened this week. We, we're coming off a full moon. Sunday was a full moon, and I know there was a my the guy I travel with, Cliff Prince. His son was in a tournament up on Seminole this past weekend, and they said the fish really flooded the bank. But then a, a, a front hit and kind of backed them off. Um, and I know they're bedding in a lot of the places around North Florida where I'm at in, in the Gainesville area. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just described the perfect scenario. You, you want cold conditions and then a, a stable warming trend leading into the competition. That usually brings them to the bank. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into Okeechobee. I've heard guys down there that haven't been for a few years, and they were like, it's unrecognizable. There's more water there there's the grass isn't there uh have you visited the lake i did i put in a couple of days uh right after new year's just before cut off and uh i wasn't impressed pete i'll, I'll be honest with you the lake's been sprayed to death there's there's just not the mm -hmm. vegetation that used to you know grow in in areas that um were once lush are now barren uh the hurricane ian definitely raised the water level uh, and it roiled up the lake pretty good, but that's not the problem with the lake. That, that lake will settle out fairly quickly. It was, it's, it's more a cumulative issue with the, uh, the indiscriminate spraying. That's what, that's what has been the problem there. 
No kidding. I, I, I didn't think that was a problem at Okeechobee. Why, why are they suddenly attacking the grass? Yeah, it's well, in my opinion, it's about money. You know, they appropriate the money to these different agencies. And if they don't spend the money and, you know, that translates to spraying, then they don't get it the next year. And it's there's too many agencies trying to work the same bodies of water and they're not in, in sync with each other. They all have different agendas. Um, but there's sections of Lake Okeechobee that used to be lush with, you know, submerged vegetation. And that's the vegetation that really does the filtration. Hydrilla, peppergrass, eelgrass, those types of, of weeds do the best fil filtration. There's still plenty of maiden cane, uh, flat reed, brown reeds. Those are all over the lake, but they don't filter near as well as hydrilla, peppergrass, or some of the pond weeds. Right. Yeah. Well, they're they're huge, and uh, the I, I mean, I've. We've had this discussion. We just had this at a bash. You like the spraying of grass. The biologists will say it doesn't hurt the fish. It doesn't doesn't kill them. It's it's harmless. But I got to say, every time the grass is sprayed, I can't catch a fish for 100 square miles of wherever they spray. Yeah, those fish are history. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, it, it makes them sick at the very least. I don't, I don't buy that either. The other thing that people need to realize is these chemicals that they spray are residual. They go into the substrate. They don't evaporate into the atmosphere. Maybe a percentage of it does, but a lot of it is residual and it's on the lake bottom and it's it's not good. It's not healthy for the for the lake. It's not healthy for us. Right. Well, what's left? I mean, uh, I, it, it sounds to me like whatever grass is left is where every single boat in the elite tournament is going to be stacked on top of each other. Yeah, like I said, you know, Two-thirds of that lake has, normally is covered with quality vegetation, um, and now it's been reduced to a third of the lake, and, wow. and that might be generous. I mean, like I said, you're going to find reeds and maiden cane grass, joint grass. You're going to see all that emergent grass around the lake, but it's the submerged vegetation that really does the filtration, and, and that also offers quality habitat for the bass to, to spawn in. Uh, it's, it also increases the amount of forage fish and, and all that's, you know, really in peril right now. It's, it's been really, they, like I said, they sprayed it to death, man. That's a shame. Well, you know, the rule we learn and, you know, it's funny. I got it. I got to ask you about this too. Like, I remember when our first trips to Florida, um, you know, all the locals were telling us, uh, two things. And I'd, I'd like you to, I need you to comment on both. One is you got, you got to find the clear water, clear, clear water is where you're going to find your fish. Uh, bottom line, don't bother fishing the stain. So I'm curious if stained water might play a role because there's not as much clear water down there with less grass, what your thoughts are on there. And the other one was throw your jigs out. They don't work in Florida. Now everybody's catching, uh, <laughs> catching jig fish and winning tournaments in Florida. So uh, th those two, two things, what, what, what are your thoughts on the clear water situation? Do you think that uh, the stained water could be a factor with the absence of grass? Yeah, I, th I think it will be for some. Uh, there's guys that will come down here that are intimidated by, by um, uh, clear water, ultra clear water. And it, I mean, it's gin clear in, in the places where it still has lush vegetation, good, good filtration. There's really quality water there. Um, 
there's guys that fish, you know, reservoirs that are off color most of the year and, and they're going to be more comfortable in stained water. And there are a population, definitely a population of fish in different parts of the lake that are, are more stained. And I'm, I'm sure some guys will figure that out. But like you said, the multitude of anglers will will basically condense into those clear water areas. Um, with regard to the jig, uh, the earliest reference I have was Corbin Dyer. Uh, he made a jig work down there and, and he shared that information with Paul Elias. And I remember Paul doing really well in a tournament on Okeechobee with a jig. And this is 30 years ago, 25 years ago at least. Um, and it slowly kind of caught on. And there's a, you know, there's a group down there that they, they flip big jigs, one ounce, one and a quarter ounce jigs and, uh, and catch fish on those things. Uh, I've not made it work more than a handful of times. It, it's, you know, it's, it, sometimes it works. Most times it doesn't for me, but um, I'll have, I'll have one tied on if that answers your question. <laughs> hmm. I, I, it was crazy. Cause I, I remember coming down there and just fishing it till my <coughs> arms fell off. Cause I'm a jig guy. And, and, uh, and I, I couldn't believe that it wouldn't work and, and, and the soft plastics just work so much better. Maybe I got brainwashed, but, uh, but I certainly, I certainly missed the boat and it, it's, you know, back then. And it's odd to see that so many guys are winning tournaments on it right now, Yeah. but, the but the clear water, yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna concentrate those boats. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit easier, easier to find, but do you think I, it sounds to me like, man, with this weather, that it it does it look like it's going to be stable does it look like you're going to be getting that shallow water push and that spawn happening down there well I, i'm sure it happened this past weekend uh yeah we had we did have a front pass through florida but i don't think it affected the southern part of the state i mean florida is a, a really long state north to south and uh what's happening in north florida is, can be completely different just a few hundred miles south um I, you know like i said we had a full moon very stable, warm conditions uh, leading into that that full moon. So I I would have to guess. I mean I we're off limits now, so I can't call and get any kind of information. But my guess is that they had a, a full on spawn this past weekend. How how is that gonna you know play that that kind of push push pushes fish back? Uh, the big girls are I guess gonna you know I, I don't know. You tell me what. Sounds to me like that's going to be a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I mean, the males are going to hang around. They're going to protect the nest, and some of the females will as well. And and they don't all go at once. They, um, you know, they, it, it's this probably was a major spawn that that occurred. That would be my guess because of the conditions, and and they want to go as soon as they can usually, but they don't all spawn at the same time. There was spawning fish in in Okeechobee back in December, mm -hmm. so. As far as how it will play, it just depends how many more fish move in during the week that we're there. Uh, a lot of them will have been caught, and and that'll send them back to the you know deeper part of the lake or another part of the lake somewhere to recover. But um, you know the the areas that are are really productive now, I would assume, will still be productive when we get there. And and uh, it, it's like you said, the sleeper might be that off-colored water. The guys that can figure that out. Right, right. Well, how I I talked to you about this a, a little bit ago, and had, 
forward-facing sonar, we're seeing it work in Florida. Have you, have you embraced it? Have you dove into this world? And uh, yeah. what do you think about that as a factor in, in these Florida tournaments? Yeah, I, I resisted for the longest time, Pete. <laughs> um, I just, I'm kind of an old-school guy. In Florida, I've, I've only used it in, a, in very limited uh, applications. Um, you know, you, you need a little bit of depth at least my feeling is you need a little bit of depth to be able to read it accurately and see what's out there at any distance. If it gets too compressed, too shallow, uh, you get a lot of clutter and, and you're not going to see stuff as, as well as you would maybe up north where, you know, you have more depth to like in reservoirs or whatnot. Um, where I decided I really needed to learn it was on the Great Lakes. I was getting my butt handed to me pretty regular with guys that were, were using it on smallmouth in particular. So I committed to it two, uh, three years ago to really try and make it work on smallmouth. And, and I found a lot of success doing that. Spotted bass were a little frustrating. Uh, we went to Lanier a couple of years back and I saw so many fish. I mean, I threw my, my bait out there, little jig or whatever it was, a shaky head and watch it sink like a little meteor down through the water column. And I'd see these fish go right over to my bait. And then they do this. Oh, no. It was so yeah. aggravating. And, and I spent way too much time the first day of practice. It's, 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 it's kind of, you know, it, it sucks you in. You know, it's, it's so intriguing how it works and how well you can see what's happening below the surface. But in that scenario, it wasn't working for me. Uh, but on smallmouth and in certain reservoirs where I use it on largemouth, it's been very effective. Well, it's great that you have embraced it. I'm, I'm embracing it too and learning more and more all the time. By the way, uh, our last live show, guys, I want to invite you guys to go check it out. Uh, we had Josh Jones uh, just prior to our bashing in, in Texas, and he's 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 brought like five uh, lunker share fish, you know, fish over 13 pounds in the last couple of years um, using it, and they're and some of the most unusual baits that like uh i don't know if you knew this bernie but he uh one of the baits that they're using out there is a swim jig with no trailer and no weed guard and they're fishing those giant largemouth out and out in the open like in front of the dam and just just basically hunting them and uh fishing for them with that that odd bait uh and triggering those giant fish it's just it's it's crazy to listen to them talk like that yeah, I did a, a little bit of research on that. It, it, it is interesting how they can target. They're able to, you know, figure out the size of a fish by the signal that returns. And I'm not there yet. I mean, it's it's kind of confusing to me. I don't know how they tell a carp from a bass when they're that big. Um, but, you know, it's it's the time you dedicate to it. We don't have that luxury on tour, as you well know. It's, you know, you try to cover as much water effectively as possible in the time you're allowed and and make your best guesses based on on what you find and the only thing i feel really confident in are smallmouth the signals i see when i'm yeah. on the lakes fishing for smallmouth yeah that's we uh brian schmidt just gave a seminar for us about how he uses it and yeah smallmouth are probably the you know most consistent way to target yeah. uh target fish at least that's that he agrees with you um and i and i, I just want to like i josh was as interviewing him of course they're spending hours just studying this stuff that looking at this screen for five years and 
and the key to the carp blob is looking for that forked tail. And right. the catfish is mm. a constantly moving tail, and stripers tend to dart in and out of your screen. Uh, so that's a, that, that's a simple formula, but that's uh, you know some of his observations on on looking at that screen all these years, and uh, you know so I'm you know I'm I'm with you. I'm still still learning. I know a lot of our guys are, but I'm sure that'll be a real real helpful situation. Yeah, well, but, we're old dogs. We got to learn these new tricks. I mean, it's if you want to survive, that's that's what you have to do. I honestly think you know because you hear a lot of people ragging on it, and um, I feel like uh, the guys that embracing it, the guys like you that with the veteran not the with the knowledge of fish movements and patterns and behaviors, it, it can't help. I, I mean, the guys eventually. The, the guys with that advanced fish fishing knowledge are going to be shining, uh, you know, with this at, with this extra tool. That's the way I feel about it. I mean, there's no replacing understanding of how fish move through the water column. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like to pick uh, Larry Nixon and, and Roland Martin's their, their brains. Um, you know, those guys are so good at patterning fish. Um, and there are a bunch of others, but the veterans that, that did it the hard way and then they had flashers and, you know, paper graphs and, <laughs> and yeah. archaic means of, of looking at what was under the surface. But uh, you combine all those years of, of Rick Clun's a classic example, just eliminating water based on season and, and uh, the conditions, whatever the current conditions are on a given body of water. Those guys are the masters at that. And I can't help but feel like this younger generation is kind of handicapped in that regard. They're totally reliant on the forward-facing sonar, and they haven't really developed the instincts that that Clun and, and Nixon and and Brower and and uh, Roland Martin have. Uh, and, and I'm kind of caught in between. I, I I wasn't the best at ciphering all that, but I did pretty good over my career. And now I'm trying to learn forward-facing sonar. So. I'm kind of in the middle trying to make both both work and, and combine the two. I think I think that's going to be the big asset is, is combining the two. And, uh, you know, we're seeing guys being able to do that. And and it'll and we're also seeing the fish start to change. And that's real. That's been a consistent messaging that that I get. And everybody that uh, that is working with this is the fish are adjusting to it. They're not as easily caught as they once were. Uh, when this first came out, they're starting yeah. to feel that ping. Uh, guys doing cool stuff like seeing the fish, identifying the fish, and then turning that transducer off the fish uh, to try to catch it, you know, because uh, the fish are starting to adjust. Yeah, yeah. The, you can condition them with with fishing pressure, boat pressure. I mean, they're they're reacting to their environment, and when things are hostile or not to their liking, they're they're going to make adjustments. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Well, you're what are the adjustments on Okeechobee? What, what, how do you feel like this tournament's going to be won? Is it going to be a sight fishing tournament? Uh, what do you think? I mean, it could be. I, I think it'll be a mixed. Uh, I mean, a, a guy could go down there and flip and sight fish, you know, or fish open water for schools of fish and then sight fish. I mean, I think it's going to be a combination of, of patterns, of, of techniques um, to purely go sight fishing. I don't think you're going to see what happened at Toho when Rojas set the record. I think it's, you know, Okeechobee is going to play a little differently and it's hard to hide there. 
Um, you know, it, it, it's a round bowl of a lake. And if you set the hook on a fish, you're going to have company. Uh, you know, it's just the guys are condensed in areas. There's a lot of traffic down there that's non-tournament related. You know, they're, they're there for, you know, just they're tourists or they're people from the area that are trying to capitalize on a spring bite. And there's a lot of them. The boat ramps are flooded with, with, you know, boat trailers. And it's crazy. It is crazy. It is so, so it's going to be very difficult to find something to yourself and, and to survive four days of competition. You're going to need that. You're going to have to find something isolated. I feel. That's yeah. And you're right. And, well, that would be awesome to find something isolated. It's so hard to do. And because it's so often, just like you said, in Florida, if you, if you're driving past the boats, you're typically driving away from the fish. Yeah. You know, the boats tell you where the fish are a lot. You just like you said, it's, it's a lot of Florida lakes are like that. You just can't hide. They are. It's hard to hide. And, you know, again, the quality of the water is only in certain parts of the lake and, and boats are going to find that and, and give it away. So, I, you know, I'm going to try to fish where there are fewer fish and, and separate myself from the crowd it's a it's a risk and you know it's a big gamble trying to do that but it can also pay off huge i might only get a few bites a day if i can make that work but uh they could be the right bites well you're 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 the guy one of the guys that could do that with your advanced knowledge of of the waterway and uh guys watching if you're watching us over on facebook over on social wherever you're watching us like it and share it. And we have some prizes that we're going to be giving away. Jocelyn, can you uh, can you tell me what our prizes are today? Sure, can. So our prizes today for our like and share winner would win some Waterwood custom baits. Um, and then for awesome. our um, grand prize, we're going to be giving away some Hobie eyewear sunglasses. Excellent. Yeah. Just in time for sight. You can take your your uh, Sightmaster Plus lenses right down to Lake Okeechobee and jump in the Derby with Burn. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I don't think they let anybody, uh, just anybody in those terms, got to qualify for, for that one. No, but, uh, we are but that's, uh, <laughs> that's hopefully it's going to be a great tournament. We look forward to it. By the way, if you have questions for uh, Bernie on whatever you want to uh, talk about, I want to invite you guys to. I see a lot of people over on the IM board. Uh, what's up, Tuck and Scott and uh, Dylan, BKJ, Rich, Nick? Uh, great to have you guys with us. Um, Great, great visiting with you. I also want to give a shout out to our boys down in Texas. We had a blast, and uh, we're, I'd, I'd like to show some pictures. I'm going to send you some pictures <laughs> later, okay. later on uh, for later in the show of our uh, first annual Bash U meetup on Lake Travis, not Lake Travis, Athens, Lake Athens, Athens. Yep. Lake Athens, where we uh, we fished in the ice storm. Yeah. Uh, Twenty one degrees of happiness. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Bernie was cold. We I I made it for four and a half hours, and then I had to seek warmth. <laughs> and then the power went out in the house. So, <laughs> how yeah. much warmth did you get? <laughs> yeah, it was cold. It's it, it, it cold here too. We had uh, two nights consecutive of twenty-two degrees in North Florida. Then it went to twenty-six, and then to thirty, and that's cold for here. I mean, that's that's remarkably cold. Uh, we had a, a large fish kill. Not bass, but um, snook, and it was over on the coast primarily. But we lost a lot of snook and and some other fish over there because of the cold. Mm. And uh, so it happens; it, it it does chill down here. Well, the the cool part about their waterways and 
every time when they have those cold blasts, that's where all the lunker shares come in. And uh, they they had uh, what three in two days over thirteen pounds come in just just around the end of that ice storm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, really 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 neat program down there. How they're you know capturing and spawning those giant largemouth females with males and you know creating this uh you know these wonderful fishing opportunities out there yeah texas i don't know if you remember hal schramm he he actually was here at the university of florida he was a biologist and and he worked in texas for a while and i I think he's since retired but he worked for the government in in dc at the end of his career um he was involved with a lot of that and it's, there's a bunch of guys involved with it, but it's a, it's like a template, you know, what they do in Texas really works and more States need to adopt those practices. You, uh, as you well know, anywhere we go with a strict limit and, and uh, strong conservation efforts, those are the best places on tour. Yeah, I, I would agree. They, and they are leading the way they've got great funding from uh, companies like Bass Pro Shops and Toyota and, Man, what an unbelievable facility! I, uh, I, I had my eyes on what we we think was a twenty pound bass in one of their aquariums. Wow! Yeah, they yeah, had they had waited beast. for a couple of years, uh, and it has just been steadily growing. And um, yeah, that's that's quite spectacular. You know, it's in captivity. Not going to be a world record or anything like that, but uh, pretty spectacular to see fish of that magnitude you know you can just pull them out of the tank and be like look i caught a 20 pound fish i i i think they the, they the upon that yeah the the, yeah. the texas fisheries may may have shot us if we <laughs> attempted to do that <laughs> they, I, I saw a fish one time shaw grigsby and i were fishing together in a spring uh in the spring and and the water was gin clear you could see down to 25 feet in this place and we saw a fish together that was biggest fish I've ever seen in the continental United States. Uh, I went to Japan a few years back and did a video on Lake uh, Ikihara. And I saw a fish there that I know was a world record. There's no question. It, it, I was I caught a nine pounder and this fish was more than twice its size. Wow. Just swimming down the bank. I was trying to catch one about six or seven pounds that was spawning in the fork of a tree. The, the banks are really steep there and they're either on ledges or in the forks or on the branches of trees when they spawn and this fish came cruising by the boat and i just forgot all about the fish i was trying to catch and followed her down the bank until she sank out of sight but she was easily over 20 pounds no question Mm. holy smokes i can't i can't even imagine yeah they got them they they grow them big over there (laughs) (laughs) well i i got i got i got to look at one in an aquarium if nothing else yeah and uh we're hoping to get a little bit better fishing opportunities next time we go. We'll be back in Texas next year as well as guys look for that over at the bashuniversity.com. We're going to be announcing uh, some of our classes already uh, for, for next year over at the bashuniversity.com, but we're definitely going back to Texas. Scott, what do you got? Yeah. Rich on our, our board's got a question for Bernie outside of Florida. Where's a couple of your favorite places to fish on tour? Uh, Thousand Islands is my absolute favorite. Um, you I've always couple... crush them there, Bernie. You have been crushing them there for 25 years. Yeah, I, I mean, that's where I won my first big tournament, and it's kind of special in that regard. But, it, it's you know, back then it was a three-pound average could win. Nowadays, you, you know, you're embarrassed to be on the stage with a three-pound average. It's just that good there. Um, 
I don't know that there are more fish, but they're definitely bigger fish. Uh, and, and a lot of them can be caught looking at them, which I really enjoy. That's kind of what I like to do best. Um, other good places. I mean, you know, there's a, Texas has some great fisheries. Um, you know, Rayburn's great and there's uh, Falcon used to be good. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of great places. The Delta in California, I, I really like fishing there as well. I don't know if it's still as good as when we were there last, when the Elite Series was there. But, um, you know, I caught a 10-pounder in that tournament there and, and, and had chances at other big fish that I've managed to lose on cables around docks. But it's just uh, there's a lot of great fisheries in the country. I love that. Uh, I love Thousand Islands. How has that changed over the years? Are you are are guys catching them in, in the same areas, or are they just bigger? Yeah, I think back in the day, uh, shoals with broken rock and and patchy grass were kind of the key for me back in the day. Uh, sand wasn't as big a deal, and I guess because of the advent of gobies, the introduction of gobies, which live on the, on the sand a lot you see the, you know, big rogue smallmouth out there cruising, looking for them. Um, you know, docks are still a player there. I, I forget who it was. I'm trying to think. One of our guys did, had a top five finish there just a few years ago. Brock, Brock Mosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fishing largemouth on docks and, and did real well every day. He caught them. Right. Uh, that's hard to do. Uh, back in the day, that was a, a definite pattern you know a lot of guys made the money and finished high fishing for largemouth on docks but the smallmouth pretty much outweigh them on average now so that's the focus but yeah it, uh, it's changed uh, you know the forage base has changed and that's why the fish are bigger it's why the you know their uh, their habits are a little bit different where you find them and, and how you fool them well, it's a, it's a, it's a special place. And like, I, you're always in contention up there and, and it's uh it's fun to see a guy from Florida, you know, coming all that far North and always crushing them. Yeah. It was kind of funny. The commentators, you know, um, Zona and Mercer, they're all saying, oh, I was raised up there and I spend my summers always up there. And none of that was accurate. I, I was born and raised in Florida, but Something about that place suited me, and I, I did go up there, and I'd stay. I'd fish tournaments and, and stay, a, you know, as long as I could, but I didn't live up there at any point ever. Uh, just it's one of those places I'm sure you have, you know, yourself where you just felt comfortable in and uh, just exploited. I, and and that's that's definitely the truth. And that one, uh, the, the, the biggest problem always was there is that big water is running – Running those giant waves—that's that's not for everybody. That takes a lot of guts to <laughs> to get out there and. Yeah. Man, they let us go. Remember, Bernie? I mean, one of those opens—they were ten to twelve footers yeah. out there on the lake. Yeah, I remember uh, one of them. They were invitationals back then, and I remember one. Maybe it was a top one hundred. Actually, now I think about it, but it's one of the first top one hundreds, I believe. A bunch of guys went over to Chameau Bay, and I I think like 24 boats made it back to weigh in from there that day. It was, it was horrible. A lot of guys just, they called for their trailers. They just, you know, they all had fish, but it wasn't worth it to them. I had Randy Mosley. If you remember Randy, he was a daredevil and he talked me into going. I was satisfied to put it on the trailer and I had a really good bag of smallmouth. I had 17 pounds that day, which was huge back then. Uh, yeah. You know, when you eclipse 15 pounds of smallmouth, you were, 
you know, in the eighties and nineties, that was really strong. Um, but anyway, we made it back. We tore up a bunch of stuff, but we made it back and, and, uh, both of us were in the top 10 as, as a result. That's it's, it's crazy. I, I've been in some real bad situations. I, Mark Menendez one time escorted me. Um, I was level flotation, but could idle and out in giant swells. And, no, uh, my. <laughs> and Mark escorted me in through the mouth of uh, the St. Lawrence there through Cape Vincent till I could get into a safe harbor and, um, and get myself bilged out. Every, everything clogged, everything was failing, but I was able to, you know, get myself up and running and, and back to the way. And thanks to Mark, but that's, uh, that's, that's scary stuff. Scary, big water. You got to be prepared for that. It is. A, it, it, you can't hardly describe it to people when you crest a wave, like when you're going into them, you crest a wave and you slide down the backside of that wave, your engine goes underwater. It just, yes. it just goes silent for a minute and then it comes back out. And fortunately, most of the time it's still running, but there's been more than a few guys that were upright level flotation. So you're not alone there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, the other worst part is when you come over the crest, if you get too aggressive yep. and, you, and you come over the crest of that wave, and, and especially on following seas when the wind's behind you, that yep. wave is so steep and you can just submarine and, and that <laughs> – well, I've done that a time or two myself. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done it in the river, if you can imagine that. I did it uh, last time we were out of, um, I can't think of the name of the town, all the way at the dam at the far end. And uh, ran all the, yeah, by Messina, Waddington. We actually went out of Waddington. I think the uh, MLF tour goes out of Messina. But anyway, ran all the way down and the wind was against the current stacking it up and i got all the way to where i wanted to fish and, and about the time i got there i stabbed a wave and filled the boat Ugh. to the brim so that wasn't that's not a good thing ever so. <laughs> <laughs> well i've had sonar units ripped off you see guys get their trolling motors ripped off it's uh yeah you, you know it's it's you got to learn how to do that guys get so excited and they put the hammer down and uh, that can be that can you just got to learn to be patient that's what i've yeah. That's the whole key is take your time. Yep. Take your time. You're a big fan of Bernie over there, Scott. Did you, I am. Did you get to Marshall with Bernie? I did back in the 2015, I think it was Bernie. We were down on the Chesapeake. Oh, did I catch him? Yep. Yeah. I Northeast. Did. Yeah. We weren't up the Northeast Creek there. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a top five there, I think. Yeah. Top you five. crushed him. Yeah, you, yeah. you told me the great. I'll never forget it. You said, Scott. When that stick comes out of that water three inches, we're going to load the boat. And sure enough, man, that tide turned and you started flipping four pounders. And I'm like taking pictures like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was that awesome. Time. Yeah, it's, you know, tide is such a critical thing. Pete, you know this as well as anybody. It, it, on a tidal river, it's, it may not be the movement as much as the level sometimes. I mean, movement's usually mm-hmm. good. It's usually better. But uh, it just seems like when it gets to a certain level, at water level, um, that's when they turn on, and and that was the case in Northeast River. Yeah, that was great. That Changed was my game. I I I was covering that tournament. I watched you. Uh, I watched you there for a little while too, uh, covering it for Bassmasters. Unfortunately, that area did not produce for me in the open in this fall, Bernie. And I I visited there every day. We had rain come through, and uh, it blew all the bait and the bass right out of there. And I kept checking to see if they were back yet, if they were back yet. And, and they, they never showed up for me. And I, I just knew Bernie 
the Bernie Mojo was going to help me somehow, <laughs> and they were yep. going to show up on the finals. But uh, unfortunately, I had to catch them elsewhere. Yeah, the last time the tour went there, they actually canceled the tournament. They had flooding up the Susquehanna, and so much timber got over the the dam and out into the flats in, in the uh, bay there. It was um, they just shut it down, and and I was traveling with my normal guy Cliff Prince. We were on them pretty good. We found a place where that was protected, and we were kind of excited about it. And then when they pulled the rug on that that event, it was really disappointing because I, I knew it was going to be really a challenge for a lot of guys but no doubt yeah it happens sometimes i know guy a lot of guys were upset we heard stories of uh guys like uh, we told this story with the biffle story where he ran straight into the face of that uh current went up to the dam somewhere uh and, and was just unloading on fish in that the the horrible water you know wow mm -hmm. yeah yeah, that guy's crazy. I'm Biffle, if he doesn't see it, it's not there. You know what I'm talking about. He'll run 60, 70 miles an hour through a stump field, and they can be three inches under the water. But if he doesn't see them, they don't exist. That's that's his mentality. And uh, we he it, it was crazy because there's nothing but rock. I mean, it's pure rock. I never, I can't get. Oh. I've, I've got gel coat all over those rocks just trying to get up there on trolling motor. And uh, I looked at it once. There's no way I'm going up there. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, he had a few feet of extra water to deal with, but uh, that's an, that's oh, yeah. an for Biffle. Yep, that's 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 classic Biffle. Well, we I also want to invite you guys. We uh, we re-released, uh, updated the your seminar, Bernie, on Top Water. Um, that's available. We we had that remastered on. That we, we actually got someone commenting about that. Um, Matthew Keeble said, "Would like to say thanks to Bernie. He just rewatched your remastered Top Water video yesterday, and he said more knowledge in forty minutes than you can learn in five years." Thank you. True story. One one Top Water tip for guys uh, coming in. We're going to be coming into the the pre-spawn. <laughs> Things are starting to warm up. What's your number one uh, bait or tip for guys? Well, in Florida, it, it, you know, down here, we're kind of unique here. A prop bait works really well in Florida. You well, you know that as well as anybody. Um, patience. You know, when, when you make a presentation, more fish for me, when I'm throwing a prop bait, I catch them with the bait sitting still or just after it's been sitting still a while and I make that next move, they'll blow up on it. You know, the less I move it, it seems the, the better I do, especially on big fish. Patience is key. Yeah. I, I wonder, I, I haven't used forward-facing sonar with topwater presentations oh. yet. Have you had that experience yet, Bernie? I have not. I've, I tried it at uh, Rodman Reservoir. We, the last time the Elite Series was there, I had a bedding area. It was about three feet deep with scattered pads. And I could see the fish out there. And I, I tried it a little bit there, but to no success. Um I had to, I ended up catching those fish with like a wacky worm Cinco. Right, right. Wacky rig Cinco. Right? Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be a cool experience. I'll be hopefully getting into some of that uh later on this year. And um man, just just want to thank you for being part of Bash University. Thanks for joining us and giving us some insight on Florida fishing. And it's it's always great to have you on the show. Happy to be here and available to you guys anytime. And I appreciate all those that uh, stayed with me over these long, boring years of my career. I'm still here, still, still battling and still feel like there's good fishing ahead of me. 
Well, I hope are, are Thousand Islands on your schedule this year? It is, man. It's such a great schedule. We we have uh, Okeechobee and then Seminole, and then we go to the Carolinas for Murray and Santee Cooper, and then we go out to the Sabine River, which is not actually. Uh, let me back up. We go to Lay Lake, and uh, then we go to the Sabine River. That will probably be the weak link of the whole season. Then we go up north to Champlain. Uh, uh, we go to um, St. Clair, and then we actually Champlain, then the Thousand Islands. We end on the Thousand Islands. Wow. So it's a great schedule. There's really no excuses for me this year. I got to catch them. Uh, Scott's over there signing up to be a marshal as we speak. Yes, sir. It's Come on. Awesome. You're welcome in my boat. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, you bring the mojo. It was awesome. It was a great day. Uh, I'm going to do it again. of becoming a marshal? Uh, you just simply have to sign up. And then uh, they randomly pick, or they, yeah, they they randomly pick. You may know more than I know, Bernie, but they usually are. Uh, usually, there's always a spot. Rarely yeah, yeah. Uh, do they fill up. Yeah, um, some lakes will fill up, and others they look for people to fill in at the last minute. Uh, the way to do it is go to uh, BassMaster.com or, or contact the tournament department at Bass in in uh, Birmingham and and sign up. There's you can Google it. I mean, it's, they make it pretty uh, accessible to people that are interested. Yeah, it's the best couple of days in the water. You learn so much. Uh, first day I had uh, Shaw Grigsby and then Bernie. And, man, I came away with that tournament, went back the following week on the Northeast, got a limit two days in a row. And you know how hard that is sometimes. So yep. I, I learned a lot. I believe, and let, let me know what you think, Bernie. I think the being a marshal probably is the most efficient way to learn because like being a co-angler is great, but I think you're a little distracted by fishing and competing mm -hmm. in your tournament. But by being a marshal, you actually are watching top level guys deal with amazingly difficult conditions uh, in real time. And you're not distracted. I, I think it's got to be the best learning opportunity on the water. Yeah, I mean, that's that undoubtedly is a, it's a great way to learn, especially when a guy's struggling. Then you're going to see all the things that yes. he does to try to get himself out of the hole. But then there's also Bass University and Bassmaster.com and all the different publications out there that, that teach fishing. So, you know, anybody that's interested in trying to improve their angling skills, all of those are good good places to, to start. And we have lots of instruction from uh, Bernie Schultz over at BashU.tv. So go check that out. Best of luck this year. We're going to be pulling for you and watching, watching live. I love the live coverage. And uh, thanks so much for being with us, Bernie. Thank you. I appreciate you guys and see you down the road. All right. Yeah, Bernie, line, Bernie. All right. Go get him. Scott's favorite. Yep. <laughs> Every year I'm pulling for Bernie. I'm <laughs> laughing because Dan Allen, I, he was in the Texas uh, seminar. He wrote, um, bring Krispy Kreme donuts and they will let you be a marshal. You know, you I would sign up to be a marshal if there oh, were Krispy yeah. Kreme donuts in that boat. Just saying. That was awesome. We had we yeah. didn't get Krispy Kremes in Texas. What? No, we did Krispy Kreme, the local or the closest one was uh was a hundred miles away or something. So. We got a, a you local a rental deli. car. It was good. <laughs> yep. We had nice well, we had local a uh, local donut shop. They were which, good. Those chocolate creams. Mm, yeah. 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 They had a we had large a on the road. Yep. We had we had a blast <laughs> down there. Guys, we're gonna be giving away some prizes uh based on you know, grant prize based on something that we heard on today's show. Hope you were paying attention. And um we also if you're watching over on social, like us, share us, and we're gonna put we got a prize for you guys as well. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and we're gonna come back and give away some stuff.
What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense. It's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? 
I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out during a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. I am back as I'm checking my folders for Jocelyn. We're, uh, man, we had a uh, great event. It was, what a great Bass University season from South Carolina to Gadsden. Uh, we finished up in Texas, and uh, we, we had a really cool event. Uh, we, we called it our first annual Bass University meetup, which took a, a place on Lake Athens. And unfortunately, we had crummy weather. We had uh, – Scott, this was uh, Jocelyn. We missed you. We needed people to help us through we, this emergency situation. Uh, yeah, the old the old Boy Scout skills came in handy. They Build, did building fires and starting fires with uh, no kindling wood and uh, <laughs> borrowing, stealing, or borrowing, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, some good firewood. neighbor policy. Yes, yes. for good neighbors and fires and electrical poles down. Well, and, here's what happened. Well, the ice storm, you guys all saw the ice hit Dallas at the exact time when we were fishing and we got to fish. And, and, and I just want to give a big shout out to all the guys that, that came with us. Jeff Woods was there and um, Travis Snyder. And Dawson uh, was there. Rory Delator um, and Jason Cooper. We all came down and uh, battled the ice with us on Monday, and we got to get out and fish on on uh, Lake Athens, and we caught a bunch of fish. Um, we we had we didn't, we didn't catch any of the giant Texas bass, but uh, my my rule is a cold fisherman catches no fish. Scott, this is true, and we we packed warm gear, Joss. It was not enough. I would have never even stepped foot on that boat. I would have been like, see you guys later. 21 <laughs> degrees, you know. After an hour, I couldn't feel my feet, so it didn't matter how long we stayed out. I know. I <laughs> yeah, our, our hands. Like, we've all got good gear, but, you know, we didn't pack it. Nope. Like, we packed warm gear, but not Arctic gear. <laughs> Arctic. And, and, uh, <laughs> and that's exactly what we got. So, But we did have a blast, and, and we fished, and, and uh, we got some – we got some fish picks. We put them up. We'll put them again up on social, but I want to thank all those guys for participating. And we're going to do events like that uh, again next year. That was fantastic. And I want to compliment the, this year. compliment the Dean. Like you put us on a pattern so fast, <laughs> you know, the outside grass, cold weather, start using live scope. You guys are picking off fast before we even got to our spot. I'm yep. like, 
And we got the text. We're like, hey, here's the pattern. That was that was epic. I, I was impressed. <laughs> that was cool. It was Great. really cool. And one of the part components of our meetup is like we, we weren't having a tournament. We were having a meetup. We were yep. sharing knowledge, sharing. and I wanted that to be part of it. So anybody that caught fish, yep. we wanted to trans you know transmit the patterns and the baits uh, to everybody uh, is, is so we could get on, you know, work together as a group uh, to catch fish. And Super uh, cool. And we were we were live scoping fish, uh, super deep, and you know, crop seeing schools of crappie, and you can see why in the, some of those Texas reservoirs why and how they're catching so many of those big mm -hmm. fish because those lakes are so well suited. They're deep, um, they're deep water. They have all, a lot of offshore structure. It's really really uh, have you ever fished great habitat for using that. What's that? Have you ever fished in Texas before? Yeah, fished there, you know, quite a quite a few times over the years. Actually, I caught my first uh, big fish. My first double digit bass came from Texas. Mister Higgs wants to know: Was the pattern dealing with a black sanko? <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> you know, it should have been. It should have been. <laughs> I, I probably could have made that work, but we were we were operating on. It was sixty six degrees a day before we fished. And it was 20 <laughs> degrees for the high. So we had plummeting water temperatures. So we opted to use reaction tools uh, like jerk baits, Alabama rigs, and, and lipless. Yeah. Lipless was was the tool that I was able to So you didn't need your Hobie sunglasses? Uh, I wore them. You did? I did need them, actually, because they're very, very effective at blocking the sleet from stinging you in the eyes <laughs> when you're driving down the lake. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, although we were not sight fishing, we, <laughs> they came in handy. That's for sure. But, uh, but so, so, so day one, we go out, we fish, we have a blast, stay warm. You know, we get back and I, you know, I've got to drive to the airport and here comes more ice. I've got to drop off our videographer, Mark. A uh, big shout out to Mark Devin. He's awesome. Great job. And yep. uh, it took me six hours round trip to get to the airport and back. Dramatic. So, so, so <laughs> Tom Lang of Texas Fishery Center, thank you. They made they made us they made soup. His wife made oh, soup yeah. for us to have, Aww. but we couldn't connect because his kids' schools got closed, and he had to shut down the facility. And I, you know, we were driving through the ice, so we didn't oh, get yeah. to connect with them. But thank you Darn. and your family for your hospitality. And um, and then the next day, we're like, all right, it, it can't be this bad again. <laughs> yeah. And, Worse. Kudos, and we were going to go. <laughs> like, we were ready. Like, I couldn't believe we were still going in 21-degree weather. And Pete's like, come on, let's go. I'm going. We're, we're going. We went out. We went out to Walmart, and we got some gloves and yep. some thermal socks. socks. We're like, we're <laughs> – we are not going to get beat by ice. We're, not, we're here in Texas. We don't get this chance. We're going. We're doing it. And, uh, and of course, the ice was so bad and cold, the boats couldn't travel ah. to get to us. So yep. that's going. So we're like, all right, we're housebound. Got to get some work done. We, did, we got some work done, and we started <laughs> doing that until we lost our electricity. Yeah, the power went out. We got long in line, and then we lost power. <laughs> uh, so we, so we, lost, we lost power, and... We're, we're like, it's getting cold, Joss. And uh, we what are we going to do? we got a fireplace, but we didn't have uh, at our Airbnb, they didn't have a store of wood for us. And we couldn't we couldn't find any wood. So we were in desperate, you know, we're freezing. And so we uh, we borrowed some wood from the neighbors. And um, they were very hostile. And, and I that. Pre Thank appreciated you. that. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. And mm -hmm. we got we got some wood. We got our fire going and. And uh, then we had a surprise visit from Lee Livesey. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. and Jake, um, the videographer, what's uh, Latondra? Jake Latondra yep. from Bassmasters. Uh, yep. From Bassmasters and from Bass University. Uh, they were filming in trying to get it in, and they're stranded in the ice. They were, we were close. They came over. We grilled burgers. We could grill. We had no power, but we had you a pro warm up around the grill. We, we had did. a propane yeah. tank, and uh, See, you were fine. <laughs> Riz did the great burgers. Riz and- did the great burgers. Scott uh, handled the fire, yeah. and uh, yeah, you know we we survived the night, and uh, you know a few adult beverages that helped us that stay, warmed you up, stay yeah. warm a little bit mm-hmm. too. And yeah. and uh, shout out to Lee and. Uh, and Jake, it was that was awesome. And uh, so, as the night's progressing, all of a sudden, our out our window, Joss, it's blue in the middle of the night, like fireworks crazy. blue, crazy, yeah. And uh, the line, the ice was collapsing the lines, and transformer caught on fire in a house behind us, and wow. it it was it was like the Fourth of July. We were there before action news. Yeah, we were, we were there. And, uh, we, I mean, we thought the house was going to catch on fire and, uh, we were the next door neighbor, but you know, uh, just crazy. And then shout out to Riz. Who's, uh, who's now enjoying a much earned vacation. He, he's actually watching right now on the plane. Amazing, masterful job driving us to the airport. He was well done. He's, uh, got a lot of experience, you know, plowing, uh, roads that's what he does in the wintertime forever and he uh he carried us safely uh through some amazing like untreated ice covered ice rink roads to the texas airport to dallas and uh unbelievably uh american airlines we were one of like 10 planes that took off that day praise american airlines that day jocelyn thank you for that <laughs> yep. and uh we were able to Get, get home out. through the ice storm. So that would have been a good trivia question. How many cars do we see on the side of the road <laughs> broke down on the way to the airport? I mean, they were just scattered. It they, was crazy. They, they were, and they, and we we were almost joining them it more than a on few one times. occasion. <laughs> yeah, I was happy to be in the back seat just with my mouth shut and saying, "You're doing a great job." Yeah, so <laughs> you were you're quite the cheerleader. I got to give yeah. you props for that. You're like we got to do what we can to keep Riz on his game. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, that was a long time to be driving through that stuff. So. Uh, but really cool stuff, um, guys. We got a true. This is your last chance to like and share the feed to win some of these awesome Waterwood custom crankbaits and topwaters. Um, very, very uh, well. They're it's a thirty dollar prize uh, for each one of those, and we also have a pair of Hobie glasses, which we're, is going to be for the tr- trivia question. Are you ready to give it? I am ready to ask the trivia question. Do you want to ask it? Do you want to? You, you go ahead, Josh. I have to read what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can ask it. Go ahead. I have the answer. Dur- during uh, the interview with Bernie, we I, I was talking about a 20-pound bass that I saw in uh, in Texas, and he talked about a 20-plus pound bass that he saw in Japan. What lake was he on And uh, when he saw that fish? It wasn't the lake I thought he was going to say. Mm, nope. So he that, did say, I'll give you a hint, it had very steep banks. Very, That's all I got. Very steep banks. I think he said it was spawning in a, a tree. What was the exactly? Not where. Not, yes, yes, Japan. But yes, exactly. it was it. It was in Japan. What was the name of the lake? That's the question. Or what is the what is the answer? Do you have a like and share winner for? I sure do. Our like and share winner is Matthew Keeble. Matthew Keeble. Way to Congratulations. Go, man. I see the guesses coming in. They're not it. 
keep keep coming, guys. I can tell you that um, it was monumental looking at the that twenty pounder. I'll never forget that. I mean, talk yeah. about goal setting. Yeah, <laughs> when I saw those thirteen and a halfs in the spawning tanks. Yep. You know when you could put your hand on their back. Yeah. I mean, I did touch the fish, but they were that wide. Yeah. In a thirteen, I can't imagine how big that. 19 plus was yeah you, you could see it but you couldn't tell because of the glass differentiation yeah yeah but you knew that thing was a monster yeah where where they keep them and they call it a lunker bunker and yeah. they take these giant 13 pounders and they they have their own giant tank and they keep them there until it's time for them to spawn and uh the, so it's not built for viewing yeah they just have these little observatory plexiglass plates cut in there so you yeah. can see what's going on they live the life of luxury when yeah. they get adopted in that program i mean full medical care yeah. all the food they want perfect conditions i mean they do a really nice job yep they wait till the conditions are perfect yep and, uh, they don't never touch the fish unless they have to i thought that was interesting having that 19 pound in the tank yeah and they're like have you ever weighed it and they're like nope we're not touching that fish until we ever have to move yeah it. i didn't like that part i wanted to fish for yeah them, I <laughs> totally yeah <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. yep, for sure. nope, no, no winner answer. yet oh uh, we got you Mm, the spelling we, count because sometimes we, those Japanese lakes are hard to spell. We we got you, <laughs> we got you on that one. We'll hey Jay, you're close. Yeah. But, mm, yeah no. we, hey, we're we're. Oh wait, we got it. Oh man. SBB. Oh. SBB got it. Ikehara. 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 Oh, way to go! Way to go! And you're gonna love those lures too. Oh my. <laughs> Icky Hara. <laughs> I like your spelling, Stefan. They're funny. What's up, Stefan? We missed you in Texas. It was great to have you at the other events. And uh, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see it. Hey, guys, we're going to be at the Bassmaster Classic. Are you coming? Uh, Knoxville, uh, Tennessee. You know, come by and see us if you're a subscriber. We always have. We always love to talk to you guys. We got something we for do. you guys. It's going to be a um, fantastic event. I yeah. got my travel route packed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for the idea. Scott? Yeah. Hate to say this, but there's no time for fishing or in the classic. <laughs> always time for fishing. I don't need to sleep. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be a great event. Hope hopefully you'll be there. Make sure if you're going to Okeechobee, make sure you stop by and see Riz. He's gonna be down there mm -hmm. at the uh at the elite tournament at the Bash University oh, right. tent. So make sure you go and check him out and say hi. We love that we're you're gonna see uh you're gonna see us a lot of Bash University events this year. So come by and see us wherever. We're really excited you know. for the classic. I remember when we were in Knoxville, that was the first time I ever saw um everyone launch in the morning and it, it was it, it was crowded. I think it was the most crowded launch they've ever had at Is that Bass, right? Bass Master Classic. And it was it was pretty cool. We even went to the um weigh-in. That was the first weigh-in I've ever went to. And it was it's really neat to go. So hopefully everyone get to meet you in knoxville yeah i'm it's, excited to be a little warmer too <laughs> yeah they're a little later in the season mm -hmm. well if you've never been to a classic you don't you want to go if you can't if you get a chance it's it's totally unique it's one of a kind and uh <laughs> hopefully one of our bash you instructors wins this year i hope so well i mean yeah. we have almost everyone so <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be epic and the expo is just that's where we're going to be set up right we'll be at the expo and the expo is where you save your lure money, guys, because they got the <laughs> deals there. Stefan chimed in and said, sleep is optimal at the Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's it, good stuff. Hard to come by. Hard mm-hmm. to come by sleep. And uh, and yeah, we have we also discovered on this trip because I got to spend more time with you, Scott, than I ever have before. And yeah. you know, Scott has an, a serious uh, tackle issue. Maybe a little one. Yeah. The, the ones that know me know yeah. me. I may have a little issue there. It's but. it's it's serious. <laughs> you, know, you might you might want to start some kind of support group. Hey, when when they know. put out the the discount codes, I'm I'm ready to go. You know what I'm saying? You got to <laughs> jump on those deals when you can. Yes. Thanks, Lee Livesey. Appreciate you. Well, if you're at the Classic, we are booth number 3111. So come come by and see us. Thanks for watching, guys. We're going to be back next week with another edition of Bash You Live, talking to somebody that's making it happen in the in the fishing world. We uh, maybe we'll have the Okeechobee winner. Maybe uh, we'll have somebody else. We'll uh, but we'll be keeping you posted and uh, check out all of our great releases. We've got a great release uh, on water coming from our own Greg De Palma. Want to wish him luck at the first event this year, as well as Ike, who is traveling, making his way to Florida. Want to wish those guys good luck. But I want the GDP seminar we filmed about how to trigger fish with top waters in and around the spawn. You're mm. not going to believe uh, the techniques that he uses and the fish that we catch during this uh, presentation, catching fish right off the beds on top water. Oh, Amazing stuff. It. So look for that all coming at BashU.TV real soon. I'm Pete Kluzek. We'll see you guys next week. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the BashU family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense. It's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components, with a 100% guarantee, they're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology.
find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out during a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Well, that was last year's last year? What did we do? I don't know. That'd be pretty soon. He's a father, dude. 